Welcome back to the With Joe EB podcast. Joe and Luke, unpacking for our work week. Luke, I'm going to go out there and say it. Productivity is for fools. <laughs> productivity is for fools? Productivity is for fools. It's hugely controversial. There's a whole heap of YouTube video, videos that have now been made irrelevant. Whole YouTube channels and books that have now been made irrelevant by that declaration from Lord Joe <laughs> coming down from the mountain with the not the Ten Commandments, but the One Commandment, that productivity is. All right, now I'm going to be a bit less weird. I'm sure you're going right, to I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you, all right? I'd rather hear from you. You're way more humble and grounded than I am. Um, <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> what, what is the difference between being effective and being efficient? Effective and efficient. Efficiency, I'm actually trying to think back to the book, but efficiency is more about doing specific functions or tasks very well effective is more about achieving an outcome very well that's that's how i would pretty good do you have an example yeah so i would think from a work perspective an effective use of my time would be talking to the biggest customers that we have and having those conversations i can have a i can have a 10 minute conversation with a key stakeholder on a big account and that will have more impact than doing going through all of my emails and sort of clearing the inbox and doing things that are not actually moving the needle per se like there's yep. a that's the that's the distinction I, I i can make yeah because you could be very efficient at responding to emails correct but the emails could be like my internet's a bit shaky it could be things like really like your 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 account is renewing whatever what color are your socks you you can you can tick all those things off and, yeah, and the dopamine, your brain will probably be just going, I love you, Luke. I love you, Luke. And just be spitting, <laughs> spitting positive vibes out. I think, yeah. yeah, it's like you can go through, you can go through your inbox and have all fancy folders and this is action. This is, <laughs> this is, this is for this, this is for that. And you know, it's all clean, but have you gone close to your actual goal? Yeah, exactly. Ferris in four hour work week says that time management people obsess about time management. He goes, and I, I'm I big on in the exponential careers, we go through time management. But he says, it should really be an obsolete concept, the way it's conventionally thought about. Maybe you could, I don't know if it's confusing, maybe you would talk about it micro time management versus macro time management. And a lot of the obsession with productivity and f- f- being like a efficient is actually about low level, smaller things. Maybe it's micro time management. It's about trying to get things done macro time management and maybe like the whole being effective about getting the significant things yes. moving the needle is actually maybe about macro it's about what are the big picture things that matter the best example i can think of of being effective is this youtube video i love it should be in the blog post that's linked below of warren buffett one of the most famous investors of all time and bill gates uh, microsoft co-founder boasting about how they keep their calendars empty which is not what you'd expect. You expect you have this linear progression of like, oh, the biz, the biggest businessmen must have the busiest schedules. And it's probably actually the opposite mm. because they know that to be effective, not efficient, you actually need time to think. And I'm very fascinated and that I know shit all about neuroscience. I'm fascinated with dopamine at the moment and the impact it's had on my life. And I'm convinced that most people are very well-intentioned but having their lives really dictated by dopamine and just it's so easy to get caught in something that gives you that dopamine rush of little bits of little bits of reward kind of like like dropping snacks to a dog 
like it's like what, yeah what can you Question. what can you see yeah no i just had something so what can you see is the biggest danger is it the fact that 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 system is doesn't discriminate like it can be in place for many different you reasons just don't really unless everyone bashes it you don't really think much about it so for example social media Everyone kind of knows, oh, I spent all this time on Instagram, but I know I shouldn't, but it's just, it has me hooked because everyone hate bashes on social media. There's a lot of awareness about that. Where I don't think people talk about it is I'm in a growing startup. I'm in a sales role. I'm going to, I'm going to get a promotion. I'm an investor. I've just bought all these stocks. Those are all examples of places where it can be dopamine rich environments. It can also be very meaningful to do all those things. Think about meaning is very different from pleasure. Meaning is like deep, you know, you feel peaceful, you feel plugged in, you've got this beautiful energy, you can feel it. The dope, the pleasure stuff is kind of like the same category as like drugs, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And so, and, and so you can feel the difference. But I don't think we're very aware about because the, the, those achievement things I just talked about are very like socially reinforced. They're not socially challenged. I think it's very interesting because I think it's hard to have the best quality of life if the thing you're pursuing is uh, pleasure. Now bring it right back to this effective versus efficient thing. It's so easy. Like I was taught once on like micro time management. If you do something that's on your to-do list, just draw the box and write it on your list and tick it off anyway because you're rewarding your brain. In other words, even though you're conscious that you've already done it, you don't need the reminder. That's how powerful the system is. I would maybe now not do that at all because if you wire your brain for that, you wire your brain for short-term shallow thinking because hmm. it's just sucking it all into like an outcome. It's just sucking it into what is something I can do that I can just tick off? And I worry that this actually gets people to pursue very, like, I don't want to be like critical. There's nothing wrong with any of this stuff. Just that you could probably feel better if you pursue things from a very relaxed, conscious place, even if it's sales, even if you're an investor, even if you're in startups, all these very excitement-rich environments. It's much better to do any of those things very consciously with deep processing, doing it in a state of deep work, but also one of the things I'm most passionate about that is most missing from society is this ability to zoom out. Always use this as one of the four aims I think I think about with this podcast is hopefully helping people zoom out because most people, I had someone from Constant Student message me yesterday saying, Joe, this is quite funny. Joe, how much would you charge? Like how much would it take me to pay you? to call me for 15 minutes a day for the next two weeks. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, and the person said, I'm having trouble living intentionally. Every day I feel like I'm just stepping back on the kind of uh, travelator, which you've described to me before. Luke. Yeah, absolutely. And we're talking about constant students here. We're talking to people about that have consciously opted into a community of more like intentional project-based exponential career chasing people. Mm. And everyone here still has this challenge. And why I'm very, get very passionate about this. And it's, it's the whole point of the four hour work week. Tim Ferriss says, I'm not ticking off a hundred things every day. I'm saying no to so much shit and focusing on 
what does he do now? He does the podcast. I think he's working on a book and he's big on research into psychedelics because of all the trauma stuff and depression he's been through. So he's very passionate about that. You know, he's choosing a couple of things when Tim Ferriss could do anything. He is, mm. as far as opportunity goes, the best positioned. But why this is big is because I think it is so hard for people to choose very worthwhile pursuits. Everyone is here to educate you on how to grow. Everyone's happy to tell you how to grow your podcast, how to grow a YouTube following, how to get your book published, how to get bestseller, how to be a better salesman how to grow your business to six figures. And there's an abundance of all this education and books on that. But what's hard is, is very bad. If people are very bad at getting you to think without the box about your own fucking life. So this is hard, right? Because most people can't do it themselves. Most people you consider to be successful, I think, can't do this themselves. To think without the box about your own life, about the world you live in, and to come from that place and define what you should spend your time doing. Later, in episodes later, we're going to talk about a lot of Tim Ferriss' regrets, how all this stuff he did, all these wonderful achievements people are very envious of, like best-selling books, massive podcasts, interviewing these people from all the best in all these industries and athletes from all over the world. Now that stuff doesn't even make you happy. You've got a whole bunch of figures from that kind of Tim Ferriss Club, a lot of his very genuine people, very genuine people who have gone through the same thing. Like they went up, they, they were very good at business. They made a lot of money. They had all the books, but then, oh, now I'm going to chill the fuck out because I realized you got to actually focus on inner peace is actually the real priority in life. Not, not the hamster wheel of, and this is very hard for people to, people to do. We, we've figured out society how to whatever build a Twitter following or well, not me, but you know, other people are doing that. And that's like every day I'm going to be consistent on Twitter. I'm going to be consistent on this. I'm going to, and they pick something that's going to get them somewhere to be consistent on, to prioritize, to focus on. Yet those aren't actually the things that really move the effective. Like they are zoomed out compared to most people, right? Compared to the average Joe, but there's still more zoom out you could be. There's kind of, for lack of better, like there's Alan Watts and Anthony DeMello zoom out. And that's what I'm interested, that's personally what I'm interested in at this point in time. Because those guys to me really fucking saw things as they were. And what I find, the whole rat race idea is like you're chasing these meaningless things round and round, right? And to me, even in some very glorified things in our society, in tech startups, in growing an audience, having big podcasts and all these things that are very wonderful, very powerful tools. There are still people going through this massive arduous journey for an outcome that's still to me, like for my life, not that substantial. Like, I don't know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I don't know if I had been the person to build Instagram, I don't want to try and pick on anyone, but like, are we content to just build something that's big, for example? I remember when I was reading Shoe Dog, because you know how hard his journey was, Phil Knight, like the court cases and all this shit. Mm. Like anyone who isn't familiar, the co-founder of Nike, just a, a hell of a story. He went through a fucking ordeal. I remember finishing it and going, all this for shoes? <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, grain of salt, everyone's different, right? 
for me, obviously, I'm not meant to spend my life building a shoe company, an athlete. But you know, and you say, but Nike, incredible brand. I love their shoes. athletes, love their shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's great. And exactly. So it's kind of like maybe everything works out the way it's meant to. But I can't help but think like clearly, you know, that's what someone like Phil Phil Knight was meant to do. And so one sense that's everything is perfect, right? Everything's worked out the way it's meant to. But in another sense, I think, what do we celebrate about? We celebrate things for being big, for being big's sake way too much. Well, what about, okay, I'm going to be on $500,000 a year when I'm eight, before age 35 without yeah. thinking beyond that. Is that sort of a good example? Uh, look, that's, that's a perfect example. I don't know if, I, I don't know if it's just my circles, but I think people are like switched on enough to know that that's not. That's probably. That's like, oh, that's shallow. But I don't know if they're just reciting that because it's what everyone says and they're behaving differently because people follow not what they're told, but they follow what they see. Mm. which is actually a really big, important point. You hear a lot of people talking about money's not going to buy happiness. But then if you look at people's behavior, it really looks like they're just following the money. Maybe because they don't, probably the Peter Till thing, they probably can't imagine what else they're meant to be accruing. Mm. And that's probably it. It's probably not that they love money or anything. It's just they don't understand what those other things are. Mm. And you won't understand by showing up to the same thing every day surrounded only by Matt Chock, who I referred to last episode. His blog is called Chocolate, travel blogger and everything. And he was working in a law firm and talking to the people there. He goes, Joe, we came up with this image of like, you're just in this lane. And the problem with that lane is that you don't meet Joe Weebies and Luke Smiths and stuff in that lane. You only meet people in that lane. Mm. You don't get any alternative perspectives around what your life could be or what the possibilities are. Yeah, And so you just keep driving in that lane because it's so hard to just stop. Dude, Momentum is seductive. Example. The paycheck is consistent. You're, you're slowly working towards something, that better position or whatever it is, but it's vague what that will actually feel like. Mm. You might have no doubt that it's going to be better in your mind. You wouldn't even think that it might not be not really what you want. Why would you think that? Mm. Everyone's everyone's suggesting every signal in society points to it being more meaningful than what you have now. And I fear that in most cases, that is a complete illusion. So when I say zoom out, like be effective, not with your job. Why would you, so so let me, let me come back in. Why be effective at your job? If being effective at your job doesn't serve the next higher up purpose, which is is being effective at my job good for myself, my company, my family, my community? Mm, that's a great distinction. So you can think about it in layers of concentric circles, like a ripple. Like keep thinking about the next circle up. I don't see anyone, not many people at all doing this. I, I, it's hard for me to just call it and say this is, no one's thinking big enough. Very easy to just sit here and say. Yeah. But I, I this is just my opinion. And yeah, I find I mean, it hard to communicate. Mm. But don't stop thinking about the bigger circles and see how the – I it can be the simplest thing. There's a – Gilly took me he, – he insisted that I come meet him last year to pick him up from his barber shop. I'm thinking, fucking this guy always led me down some conquest. But I oblige because it's Gilly and we love him. 
And I, I go to this George Street in Sydney, short walk, all good. I come up this level, I go in. It's just this simple little barber shop. And he introduces me to the barber. The barber's name's Louis. And it's a very nice little spot. And he's a young French guy, our age. And Gilly goes, tell him your story, Louis. And he goes, oh, he was working away, got a promotion at a barber shop on George Street further up where he was now the manager with 18 staff, which is what you're meant to want. But he realized two months in that he hated it. Yet he persisted for another 18 months. He goes, I wasn't happy. So in the end, I just found this office. It popped up, this this suite, sorry. He thought, I'm just going to open my own barbershop, just me, clients, keep it simple. And I'll get back to doing what I love, which is actually, I love actually the people, not managing other mm. people. Kind of. He goes, now my life is, I wake up every day excited. And I, I feel like I'm ripping people off because they come, people like Michael come here and I cut their hair, but they're giving me so much more teaching me about things and having conversations and learning about their lives. I just thought this guy is the pinnacle of success. He was crushing me at that point. Like I did not have that enthusiasm for life at that point that he had. He is, that guy is fucking successful. He's probably more like Tim Ferriss has struggled a lot. He's probably more successful than Tim. Tim Ferriss would probably say, I'd love to have consistently what that guy has. That is the, and so what I mean is it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be like Jesus Christ or fucking Buddha or Alan Watts or, you know, revolutionary thinker. It's not the call to action, but seeing the connection of what you do and the beauty of it. And if you can't see the beauty of it, fucking move on and find, find, seek it. Like Phil Knight, same guy we're talking about, like shoe dog. And like, he must've fucking been called to do it, right? To fight that hard for, for Nike and keeping the guy. But he has that quote, like, don't, don't find a job, seek a calling. And if you don't know what that is, seek it anyway. In other words, like there is no, if you want to be effective with your life, I think you must find that. Because how else are you going to find that thing that you really perform incredibly at? It's like if you, it's like if you know, I don't know. It's like if Usain Bolt was running. I'm, I'm really venturing outside my competency here. It's like if Usain Bolt was running like marathons instead of finding the hundred meter. It's like, oh well, I'm coming sixteenth in the marathon. I guess this is okay. It's like, you know, and I think the universe is kind of conspiring, as they say in The Alchemist to get you towards it. Mm. But I think most people put their stumps up somewhere saying, I guess this will do. <laughs> I got a good, <laughs> no, there's a good example. Kip Chogi, the yeah. pretty much the greatest marathoner of all time. He was, although he was extremely successful still in shorter distance races, like 5k, 3k, he never had the anywhere near the same level of success as he did when he went to the marathon. And the mar when he made that transition, I think, I think some of his coaches were a little bit reluctant because he was still he still could have improved in the shorter stuff. I'm not 100% sure. But mm. yeah, they when they went made that transition, that was more suited to I think he enjoyed the training more or something like that and I wow. mean he's, yeah, the, he just had to make that little tweak and now he's like the greatest of all time. I don't think anyone will get cl close to that for a long time. And you see how enjoyment defined not in that pleasure treadmill sense of like lots of big 
like a, no one can see me, I guess. How do I describe? Not so big spikes on the graph, like a heart monitor in a hospital, but enjoyment in the sense of that flow state, that peacefulness, that alignment, that that is the signal that yeah, the fucking universe is trying to give you yeah. to get you there. You just have to keep following. Robin Williams says it's like a little taste. The universe is just trying to bribe you towards it's trailing, it's leaving breadcrumbs. So you get a yeah. little bit of it first. Like the first time I wrote something and then it's, oh, I love this. And then it's trying to go, yeah, keep following the breadcrumbs. You know, a little more, a little more over this way, over this. It's trying to lure you towards it, right? And that is the whole, that is the whole game. And, you know, how do pelicans in Sydney understand that lake air is full of water again? and fly across half of Australia to get there. How the fuck do they know? You know, there is a deeper intuition inside natural creatures. And I fear that the ego actually masks it, which is something Paul Rouse from The Laughter Project, who I'm helping with his book, he, he said the other day, he's like, perhaps intuition is the place where ego is not. Like your controlling mind the dopamine obsessed astro, the dog paranoid fucking dickhead in your mind. And perhaps intuition is that. And that's why animals can do these things that defy logic because they don't have an ego and they could just purely listen to intuition. I don't know how the fuck that relates to four hour work week, but that was, <laughs> the, that was the intention. I guess we'll, we'll can that there. Be effective on the highest level you can perceive is basically the summary of that. And uh, so we've we've destroyed the notion of productivity because it can, I guess, delude you from that. And then we're going to be very controversial again tomorrow, Luke. And we're going to talk about Tim Ferriss' alternative to goal setting. Goal setting. Everyone loves goal setting. You've got to set better goals. This is how you set better. And we're going to kind of shit on that a bit tomorrow. <laughs> No disrespect to anyone who's big on goal setting. Very sim very similar line of logic to today. I'm very excited for that. Remember, these are daily episodes. Luke generously helps. There's a summary in the show notes, Everything Joe, the newsletter, where you get like the crisp, short summary once a week of the podcast. So sign up for that. But thanks again, Luke. A bit longer today, but very much worth it. Thanks for your prompting questions. And Thank we'll you, be Joe. back again tomorrow.